Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Warning, this is going to be a teaching episode. This is for anybody who wants to become a TV comedy writer. How do you do it? How do you break in? Well, the first thing you have to do is write a sample script. And the sample script, of course, has to be impressive enough that it gets you an agent, it gets you a meeting, it gets you a manager, or it gets you uh, recognition in a contest, in a festival, that sort of thing. But the way you break in is still with a script. Now, I know there are other ways that help. Uh, such as having a huge following on social network and uh, doing three-minute TikTok videos and that sort of thing that, you know, draws a lot of attention. And all of that is great, and you should pursue all of that. But you also need a script. I mean, that really is what is going to get you through the front door of show business. If, in fact, you want to be a TV comedy writer, if you want to do other things, there are certainly other avenues. Well, it used to be that the way you would break in was by writing a spec script of an existing show. And in a way, that was, I wouldn't say easy, but it's easier than what you have to do now. Because you would pick your favorite show. And you could watch episode after episode and you could study it and you heard the characters' voices in your head and you could picture exactly what the sets looked like. And you were able to, if you had any talent at all, you were able to write a pretty good facsimile of a Seinfeld or Friends or whatever show that you were going to do your spec script on. Well, now... Pretty much everybody wants pilots. Pretty much everyone wants original material, which I find sort of ironic because, yes, they're going to be impressed by your original pilot, impressed enough that you can get hired on a show where you're writing somebody else's show. But still, that's pretty much what they want. And it's much harder to write a pilot because... Just as an example, the first scene of any pilot 
needs to do this. And again, I'm talking about uh, situation comedy or even comedy dramas. Let's just say like a half-hour pilot, although it probably applies to hours too. Okay, you have to set up the premise. You have to establish the characters. You have to establish what their relationships are. You have to begin a story. You have to set the tone. And if it's a comedy, it has to be funny. And you have to do all of that within the first few minutes. Okay, if you're listening to this and going, oh, my God, that's, uh, that's just way too much to do, uh, find another line of work. <laughs> okay? Uh, the, the people who make it are the people who persevere, who go, yeah, okay, that's tough. I might have to write four pilots before I finally figure it out and finally have the right one. But the right one is going to get me the job. Okay, so, you know, those that uh, persevere and are dedicated, they hear all of this and they go, okay, wow, that does sound like a a handful. uh, How do I do it? Okay, listen and Hopefully, over time and practice, uh, you will learn. But it's very difficult, as evidenced by the fact that when you see actual pilots on the air, you're going half the time, Jesus, this sucks. Really? This made it onto the schedule? Now, in fairness, I should say that especially if it's a broadcast network pilot, they were probably noted to death. And so any you know, resemblance of their original idea and vision and maybe first draft on spec versus what the show finally became once it was filmed and aired might be very, very different. You might not even recognize it. So uh, there is that. But still... Uh, I can tell you, it's very difficult to write a pilot. I've been doing this for many, many years, and I have to roll up my sleeves and take a deep breath every time I attempt to write a pilot. Here's one thing that you should know about pilots, and uh, I'm not sure whether this is necessarily taught in every class or not. You know, people have different ideas. Character is the key. Not so much the premise. Premise is very important, but the premise services the character. And that's what's going to get your show on the air is a fascinating character. The other thing that's going to get your show on the air is that you have a top actor, an A-list actor playing the part. That's the easiest way of getting a green light. How are you going to get that? Well, you're going to get that if you write a character that is so compelling, so interesting, so funny, so different, so dark, that the actor in question, the one you're going after, reads it and goes, oh, God, yeah, I would love to play this part. I mean, uh, it probably was not very difficult to sell Gene Smart on playing Deborah Vance on Hacks once she read that script. That was just a fantastic character. And, of course, she plays the crap out of it. But still, the point is, 
it is the character that really sells a pilot and uh, and some relationship again i go back to hacks and uh the deborah vance character and the gen z character who's working with her it's an interesting relationship one that you haven't seen yet and that's really the spearhead of the series so i'm going to give you an exercise I want you to select your favorite character in a sitcom. I don't care what sitcom it is. Just take that character, and I want you to do this. I want you to think about the things that define that character. What physical traits? What kind of decisions does this character make? What is this character's philosophy? What is his attitude? And then I want you to write 10 words that describe this character. And when you do this and you start developing your own pilot, I want you to do this exercise with that too. So if you can't think of 10 words to describe your character, he is underdeveloped. It's very important. Okay, again, uh, how do characters relate to each other? How do they relate to the star? A lot of people will do this. They'll have a star, and then they'll put him in a situation, and they'll have all these nutty other characters. Oh, this girl's real goth, and uh, this guy's a stoner, and, you know, all these crazy funny characters. But they have no real relationship to the star. Basically, what you want to do is, is like take your star and put them in the center and then draw out spokes like a wheel. And all of the other characters need to somehow relate to that person. Okay? It's like what function do they serve? Is, uh, is he an adversary? Is he a confidant? It's usually good to have a confidant. Usually want somebody for your character to, you know, be able to explain to them and to us, the audience, just what he is feeling. But uh, is one of the other characters a rival? Is it a moral compass? Uh, Is it a love interest? Is it a mentor? Is he or she the polar opposite? Is it a person with a certain history? It's very important that you populate your show with people who have relationships with each other and have attitudes about each other. Here's an interesting point that, uh, again, I see this mistake a lot. Characters are rarely self-aware. They don't recognize their flaws. They don't tell you their characteristics, and their flaws. Whenever you see a show where a character is is going, uh, oh, my God, I'm I'm always just so cheap, and any time I get in a situation, I just find myself uh, not being able to pay for it. It's like, well, come on, let's see it, as opposed to having your character talk about it. Here's a key. You must love your characters, even the villains, even the adversaries. 
it's very clear when you watch a show whether or not the writer, or in your case, the creator writer, loves his characters. Because there are shows, and I see these uh, on the air. I, I say on the air now on various platforms, streaming services, on my phone. Um, but the tone is so mean-spirited. And they treat their characters with such disgust that I'm completely turned off. And I guess there is a niche of of people who find that entertaining. I personally don't. And I think in the long run, if you don't love your characters, man, you're going to live with these people. Hopefully you're going to get a show on the air and it's going to run for a few years. You're going to be in bed with these people. You better love them. Always play your characters at the top of their intelligence. It's very easy. The temptation is always there. You come up with a hilarious joke, but it makes the character seem stupid. And then you are defining your character as stupid or incredibly naive. You go, yeah, okay, that's a very funny joke, but... You're saying a high school English teacher uh, has never heard of the word football? You know, you're going, yeah, okay, the the joke you made is like very funny. But in reality, it makes your character brain dead. So never sacrifice your character for the sake of a joke. And that brings me to the point that you have to remember that real actors have to play these characters. A number of years ago, I used to do these weekend seminars called the Sitcom Room in which I would put together writing teams and I would have them rewrite a scene from a fictional sitcom. And there was one team where, luck of the draw, a number of them were writers for different radio shows, disc jockeys who would put on sketches and things. And the disc jockeys were very funny and the sketches were very funny. These guys, that was their orientation. And they wrote what they thought were hilarious jokes. And when the actors performed them, it died a horrible death in the room. They were shocked. And the reason was that yeah, this is a funny line, but it is not something that a normal human being would actually say. And so when you have real actors saying these words, if they're too ridiculous, then you're not going to laugh. It's going to take you out of it. You're going to go, why would she possibly think that he would want that as a birthday present? And why is she shocked when he's not pleased. Yeah, there were some funny lines around that whole setup, but the setup itself was just so bogus that when you're watching it, you're just going, wait, this isn't real. So remember, actors, real people 
have to play these characters. One thing I've found that's helpful is if you can borrow traits from people you know. But beware. In being totally true to someone, you also might be creating a rather uninteresting character. So maybe there's you know, certain character traits that you can take, but not saying, oh, okay, you know, my roommate, uh, Drexel, uh, this guy's like a, a great character because he sleeps 19 hours a day. Wow, okay, you're going to get five years of mileage out of that, I'm sure. Um, if possible, give characters an inner conflict. It makes them more layered. I'll give you an example, uh, Sopranos, Tony Soprano. Like, why did he go to a shrink? Because inwardly, he kind of felt bad about what he was doing. So there's kind of that inner conflict. And again, it it makes the the characters very layered. To me, the best recent example of that is the Kim Wexler character in Better Call Saul. On the one hand, she really gets off on pulling these scams off with Jimmy... On the other hand, you know, she's really out for the working person and doing pro bono work and believing in the law. It's, it's a fascinating conundrum that, that's going on in her head. Characters need to make active choices, okay? They need to go after what they want, not wait for it to come to them or ask someone else to get it for them. And then here's a question that you need to ask, especially if you are going to write a comedy. What is funny about them? Now, flaws can really help you in this regard, okay? If someone is cheap, if someone is vain, Things like that uh, can really help you uh, find the funny in a character. You know, there are character types, and it's tough because you really have to straddle the line between cliche and identifiable. And it gets tough. Again, going back to what I said earlier in the first scene, you have to establish these characters. Well, it certainly is easier to establish a character if he is a type. You know, it's like, uh, okay, there's the Archie Bunker type. You know, there's the the guy who's kind of, you know, bigoted and, and old school. But you have to be careful that it doesn't come off as, oh, my God, that guy again? The 93rd time we've seen that guy? What is different about them? What is unique? If you can find something unique about your character, oh my God, you are halfway home. And if possible, create characters that we've never seen. This is why picking off traits from people you know might be very helpful as opposed to uh, things that you come up with because you've seen variations of them on television. But, you know, when I think of unusual, unique characters, the one that just springs to mind is Ricky Gervais in The Office, the British version of The Office. I mean, you've seen bad bosses before, but you've never seen a guy 
like this guy. And that just made the show absolutely fascinating. Um, I love No Ho Hank on uh, on Barry. Uh, that's a character I've never seen before. There's quite a few characters in Breaking Bad that are totally unique. I mean, Gus, here's a guy who is a huge drug lord, and he's also running this crappy fast food chicken restaurant. And he's there cleaning the tables, and he could not be nicer to his staff of teenagers. And meanwhile, he's this heinous, cutthroat drug dealer. It's, it's a fascinating character. Find something unique. Okay, so those are some elements about characters. Now, more general, in developing your pilot idea, make sure that your pilot is about something. It's not just a crazy setting. People come up to me all the time and they go, oh, my God, uh, you should do a comedy about uh, bakeries. Uh, you know, I worked in a bakery and, oh, my God, the funny things that happened in a bakery. And uh, is one time this guy, uh, he put salt, uh, you know, in the batter instead of sugar. And, like, all these cookies were salt. You can't believe people, like, taking bites of this going, ew. And, like, oh, it was just hilarious. Like, yeah, I'm going to get seven years out of that. No, it's what is the show about and the good shows are about something. If you look at, say, Everybody Loves Raymond, well, this is a guy who is in the middle of all these family relationships. He has his wife, he has his kids, he has his brother, he has his parents, and he is in the middle of all of it. You look at Friends, and here are a group of people who are starting life. They're starting their journey as adults and they don't have any families yet. They don't have wives or husbands. They pretty much have each other. So it is a young group of people entering adulthood. Okay, that's, that's a pretty good theme. People say, well, Seinfeld is a show about nothing. That's not true. Seinfeld is the back end of Friends. Seinfeld is, okay, at what point, because you guys are getting very close to it now, because you're like in your 40s, at what point does trying to find yourself and hanging out become sad? Okay, it's fine when you're in your early 20s, but when you're in your 40s and you still don't really have a career and you still really don't have a relationship and all you have are these other people who are also in this kind of arrested development situation, um, it's kind of sad. So these are people who need to figure it out with a clock ticking. Now, how is your idea funny? You know, what is funny about the the premise that you're coming up with? Does your idea have legs? Now, I see this a lot on uh, these streaming shows where there'll be the first season that are very well self-contained and then it gets picked up for season two and they're going, oh, God, what do we do now? You know, if you do a show uh, all about a prison break 
and it leads up to the prison break at the end of the first season. Okay, now they broke out of prison. Now what do they do? <laughs> They're now running around. It's like, well, the show's called Prison Break. What, what's happening here? So does your pilot idea have more than eight or nine episodes? Here's a big question. Why do we care? Why do we care about these people and this situation? Well, you care about them if they're identifiable. You care about them if they have universal themes. You care about them if you like the characters and you root for them. You care about the show because its heart is in the right direction or its point of view happens to be your point of view. But it's important that the audience cares. If it's just funny, it's interesting because Seinfeld was hilariously funny and was huge hit, but has not done as well in reruns, in syndication, as, as other shows. And younger generations aren't really sparking to Seinfeld the way they are to Friends or to other shows. And I think it's because they just don't really relate to those people. You know, if, if you're 20 and you're starting out and, you know, these are people in their 40s kind of, you know, bitching that they still can't get a date. Um, I, I think a lot of young people just like, mm, huh? And for whatever reason, personal opinion, uh, I mean, it's been pretty clear that in syndication and uh, on the streaming services, Seinfeld has not done nearly as well as a lot of other shows. Uh, you need more than than just laughs. Again, I go back to, is there anything unique about the idea? Is this a setting we've never seen before? Uh, is there anything unique about the relationship? And it sure helps in a pitch when you're able to go, okay, here's something you've never seen. Or here is something that no one else is doing. Now, is this an idea that you really, really like? And I ask that because, again, going back to what I said earlier, if you get the show picked up, best case scenario, and it's going to be on the air for a few years, is this really a world you want to live with? You know, uh, when my partner David Isaacs and I were starting out, we would just come up with like all of these pilot ideas and uh, these people in an airline terminal and these people go off to India and they live in a small shitty village in India. And what's that like? And then you think to yourself, man, do I do I really want to be in a shitty village in India for four years? Um, That's something that you need to take into consideration. Is this a show that you really like? Is this a world that you really like? Are you able to do research? We found this so helpful. Gene Reynolds, who was the showrunner of MASH, who hired David and I originally, uh, he's the one that got us into this. And we found it so valuable 
anytime we did a show about any kind of a venue, we went and and did research and found out exactly what these people did. And I can't tell you how many times we came up with characters that were based on real people that we never would have dreamed up ourselves. And a lot of stories that we came up with were stories that we never would have dreamed up ourselves. But if you do the research, number one, it's a a great vein, like I say, of getting ideas. And number two, it allows you to write your series with a certain amount of authority. Now, I could never have written MASH had I not been in the Army because there is a whole world, a whole military, bizarre way of thinking that if you have never been in the military, if you've never experienced the logic that goes on, you never would be able to really write that show. So do as much research and have as much authority over your world as possible. Now, finally, can you distill this idea down to two or three sentence log line? We call it an elevator pitch. Okay, you get in an elevator and you're going to be in the elevator for uh, two or three minutes and you're standing next to Steven Spielberg and uh, you got four floors of his time. Go. Uh, can you come up with uh, an elevator pitch? Can you put together a longer 10-minute pitch? And finally, do you have a working title? So those are some of the elements that go into creating a good pilot. Then there are the aspects of putting together a good story, story construction. And maybe I will get into that in more detail in a future episode. In the meantime, the best way to learn about story construction If your show is similar to a certain type of show, watch lots and lots of episodes of that show. And since you can now obviously record them, uh, write outlines, write detailed outlines of the episodes. And do that for about six or seven of the episodes until eventually you start seeing patterns. You start figuring out what they do. Uh, You know, how does the story normally start? Uh, How do they work in the other characters? Are there B stories and C stories sometimes? How, How do they plot an episode of Barry? Do that for seven or eight episodes and you should have some idea of how to break a story. And the other thing, too, is there are books. There are books that tell you how to do it. Um, you know, very simple. There's got to be a problem. Uh, you know, the, the old story, you know, you get your character up a tree, then you throw rocks at him for 20 minutes, and then you get him down from the tree. Okay. Uh, 
that's, you know, basically it. Uh, I would suggest, however, that when you put together your story, make it simple. You don't have to have this real complex story with 15 things going on. Just remember, the audience has a lot to process. Who are these people? What is this world? Is this a world I want to see? Is this show funny? Do I like these characters? Uh, Am I confused by what they're doing? There's a lot going on, and they have an awful lot to process. So make it easy for them, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Don't have six storylines all going at the same time. It's your pilot. Walk them through. Make sure the story tracks. Make sure you design a story that really showcases your star and showcases what's great about your show. And then you're there. Just like that. It's easy. Then you go off to El Torito and have a margarita. You've written a pilot. So those are some thoughts on pilot writing. And again, I stress the key word here is character. And do that exercise. I think it will be very helpful for you. All right, that'll do it for this week of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. I have an email address should you wish to reach out to me, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Also on Twitter, at Ken Levine, on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week right here on... Hollywood and the Fine. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.